This is Gresh and Fourier. No shooting numbers help. So does that. He is putting on the clinic. This has had this look in their eyes like, man, we are not on this level. Don't bring the MVP out of the bullpen. You do tonight, and this is why he finds Rob. Simple as can be. Just everybody, I say it all the time, when guys are out, everybody just got to do a little bit more. You know, we never want to make excuses. We always just want to try to figure out a way to win. Andy Gresh. Tom's had just a tremendous career. The greatest player, the greatest career, the great, great person. Uh, it's such an, an opportunity and an honor for me to, you know, to coach Tom. The reality is he loves the sport. He loves teaching. He loves coaching. He loves competing. And nobody's done it better than him. And I think what a blessing for me to, there's no way I have the success that I've had, you know, personally without him christian fourier i think for me there's nobody i'd rather be associated with and i think that from my standpoint i think it's always such a stupid conversation to say you know brady versus belichick because in my mind that's not what partnerships are about coach couldn't play quarterback and i couldn't coach gresh and fourier right now i'm like a giant puzzle fixer guy on weei final hour aggression fixer guy here with you on weei Jones Mego with Arcan coming up at two o'clock. We talked to uh, Tom Kern an hour ago. A uh, lot of debate on Kevin Durant and Jalen Brown. We'll see how that heats up over the next 24 hours, Foyer. But we started to get into Tom Brady and Bill Belichick on the Brady podcast. And we heard about why Bill Belichick was so hard on Tom Brady and that those guys were in cahoots. For a while, Mm -hmm. it felt like uh, at least for a little (laughs) while they were in cahoots and, uh, you know, the Brady versus Belichick deal. And in a way, what we're about to hear kind of takes us back to the Tom being ripped by Bill to make it look like he's just like everybody else. And it gives Brady the freedom to be able to stick his foot in the rear end of teammates who aren't listening or paying attention or whatever. So this is from and I can't believe this is a thing. Have you ever heard of Club Shay Shay? Yes, I have. Okay. Yes, I have. Uh, for those who do not know, Club Shay Shay is apparently a podcast with a close personal friend of uh, no one's show, Shannon Sharp. Mm. And Shannon Sharp was sitting down with Chad Ocho Stinko, who came <laughs> here and found out he couldn't read a playbook. <laughs> and was woefully unproductive. He was massively disappointing. But this guy got a wake-up call when he got to New England. And I wonder how much of it ties into some of the culture discussion that we've had with everything swirling around Mac Jones and don't talk back to coaches and be respectful and ba ba ba. This is Ocho Stinko with Shannon Sharp talking about his experience in New England, and this might be what Bill Belichick is trying to recreate. Why didn't it work in New England? Why? You know what? It just, I think, for one, too many goddamn targets out there. Let's, let's, let's think about this, right? Mm-hmm. Think about this real quick. I go to New England. They already have, you listening? Mm-hmm. Julian Edelman. Yep. Wes Welker. Yep. Dion Branch. Yep. Gronk. Gronk. Aaron Hernandez. Yep. What I'm doing there? You Ocho. That's what you're doing there. You Ocho. How many of them had six Pro Bowls by the time when you got there? Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. And then it's a whole different. You the big dog. Listen, it's <laughs> me, not over there. Man, Every, man, listen, man. in New England, mm-hmm. ain't no big dog. It's an even playing field. 
everybody's expendable. And, they, and, and you can feel it when you walk in the room. Everybody's expendable. First day I walk in to meet Belichick, I'm ready to shake hand and, you know, welcome. Thank yeah. you for coming. You know you're going to have to change who you are to be here. Ooh, took the wind out of my sails. Huh? Ooh, yeah. Hold ain't, up, he ain't, didn't tell you that before you got there? Ain't no Ocho. Ain't no big dog. <laughs> Patriot way. Get in line. So let me ask you. So I, I, listen, I enjoyed my time there. Right. It wasn't as productive, productive as I would like. I got there late. I didn't have an off season, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it was fun. It, it was such a joy to know we were going to win every week. And it right. was a joy to understand why they were so successful as a team, as an organization, because it started from the top right. and, it, and it trickled all the way down right. on the way things are ran. I've never been to the military, never been to the army. But if I had to take a guess what it's like, that's what it is like yeah. playing for New England. Everything was on point. Structure. If you mess up, you start over until you get it right. Where do you start? <clears throat> well, I'm going to start with what I heard last because I always think that bugs me. Um, it's nowhere near like the military. Okay, no. let's not, let's not disrespect the fine men and women that are actually in the military that have an unbelievable... <laughs> Like no, no, not even not even close. We can we can almost be like no, it isn't. It's like it's not. It's so it makes me wonder. Like if he thinks that's the military, how easy was it for him in Cincinnati? How unbelievably like reckless and carefree was that entire organization? Because he ran around like a freaking clown. Like half the time, it was all about him. It was all about what was what he needed and what he wanted to get. That was it. So I always laugh. I always laugh about this because when I think about the Patriots organization, I just think about, hey, we're going to pay you a lot of money. Can you just treat it like a real job? Can you be professional? Can you be here on time? I'm going to ask you, can you be here on time? Can you pay attention? Um, can you take your job seriously? Can you not, like, you know, be reckless uh, outside of the, the workplace? You know, can you not embarrass us? Like, we're paying you a lot of money. Can you try hard? Can you be a good employee? To me, there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of companies that treat their employees the same way. The successful ones say, listen, this isn't going to work for you. You're, you're, not tra- you're not taking your job seriously. You're late all the time. You show up drunk. Like, your, your reports are never in on time. I thought it was just as basic as, wow, they really hold you accountable for being a pro. They actually hold you. You will get fined if you show up late. You can't talk your way out of it. Hey, they actually expect you to play well and try. Where other teams and other position coaches and quarters would be like, oh, I can't talk to them. No, no, no. They just they just fire you. It's real, real simple. So I laugh about the military comparison. You're just not used to working in a business environment that actually expects you to work. Like, just try. What about the piece where Ocho talks about, hey, you're just another number here? Well, that's true. That's true. Every but team- is, it, is it still like that down there now? We'll see now. And I wonder if a little bit of what Chad Ochocinco just brought up there with Shannon Sharp is what Bill Belichick was worried was slipping away during this season when everybody was looking around and saying, you know, I got uh, Fat Matt over here running things. No, I think it's still the same. I don't think Bill's not changing the way he is at all. Like, that's something that's going to be. But has the environment changed because the players have changed? And there are a few of the, 
yes, sir, may I have another's in that locker room See, right now. That's a good point because I always thought that the most impressive thing was that he was able to kind of keep that going. Right. Like that was like from one. To me, that's one, why he rode Mac the way he did this year. Because if yeah. Mac is the one who's looking and saying, this effing guy, yeah. how long is it going to take for the rest of them was, to walk around and yeah. be like, because you can't tell me Trent Brown wasn't being like, this effing guy. Well, that's true, too. I almost feel you like, know? but I wonder if Bill did the same thing he did with Mac that he did with Brady. Hey, after the meeting, after I ripped you in front of everybody, I bring you in my office and say, listen, dude, like I got I to gotta be tougher on you. I did the same thing for Brady for 20 years. Yeah, I got this from Bobby Knight. He did it to Jordan. So it's like you're in good company. Like I have to be, I have to treat you tougher because everyone needs to see you uh, oh, being ripped. Man, I think that's. To I think, mean, but to, but to think that it went as far as publicly sitting him down in a Monday night game. That's where because conceptually, I'm with you. Yeah, that's probably but, part of it. But too. you know, but, but but like with Mac, did they look at Mac? The same way they looked at Brady after year. Well, really, it would have been Brady after year two because he only played in year two. He didn't play in year one. You I'm just I, wondering I, if in the mind of Bill, it's the this guy isn't good enough yet for me to start to treat him kind of the way I did Brady. So maybe the coaching and the tough part of it is a little more genuine. But in the back of Bill's mind, it is the, hey, it's the Jedi mind trick I did with Tom. It'll work here, but I'm also going to scare this kid into not turning it over, which he did a much better job of the final eight You know games. what I think this is like, if, if you ever coached your kids, like if I've been like the head coach or even like, you know, you know the co-head coach. Of You're any, the guy, you mean the guy that shows up on every Saturday and stands no, no, there and shorts? No, no, I actually, no, I show up. I've coached, all of, my, I've coached all my kids and all their sports. Sports. It's like Whoa. it's been a, it's, no, I have, I've, I have not in everything, but I always try to make sure I do. And even, and they've, I always yelled at them more and they all used to come up to me in the car and say, why do you keep yelling at me more than so-and-so? Yeah. Why do you, cause I feel like it's the same philosophy. Well, I kind of have to one, uh, because, uh, I, I don't want little Johnny going to his mom and saying, well, he never yells at his own kid. And I can tell you like m- most of the time, my, my kid was a little bit better than little Johnny. But I still had to like reprimand him and coach him and yell at him and force him to run more. And he was always angry. All, even the girls, girls were the same way. They used to fight. They used to fight me more than than my son did. And I was like, I got to. I feel like that has to be the situation. So I can understand someone being like, Why are you so hard on me? Why? Because because it's part of the situation that you're in, and I need to get more of you. So to me, that's. I feel like that's an old school practice. So don't you like that's that whole mentality has been around for. Years, like right. like decades. Well, if you have the right person that is the lead dog and is willing, a la Tom Brady, to subjugate their ego and understand the reason why the coach is doing it, then you could probably get away with it for a while. But you got to have success, number one. And number two, the player has to continue to be that way. As we saw with Brady, there was the, I've done this laundry list of stuff for you, and you can't give me a bunch more money because I have walked with you. I've played along. I've been your guy who has set the standard. And I'm, I balance the, do they see that in Mac, which is why they're busting his chops, or do they look at Mac Jones and say, hey, he's not good enough to even get that treatment yet. We're just going to be as hard on him as we are. Because I would dare say that Mac Jones got coached way harder this year than guys like Trent Brown. 
or guys like Isaiah Wynn or other veterans. It feels like they went in on Mac a little bit to make a point, but was the point a la Brady and everybody is in on it, or at least Mac's in on it, or is Bill looking at it and saying, "No, I got to keep my I got to keep my hands around this kid's throat so he doesn't lose himself." Well, but I think that was a and that, I think that backfired on him because you weren't there was not there wasn't a strong footing for him there wasn't a strong foundation so he was he had a no win situation if he was being coached the right way and correctly and they were taking advantage of all his skills then I would say yeah let's 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 go but they weren't it was always the wrong message the wrong play the the, the wrong like coaching point and even then one of these other ones like Bill was talking about how you know like he couldn't call plays he wasn't a quarterback and how much he learned from from Brady because Brady he had never played quarterback so Brady seeing things the way he saw them actually taught Bill so if that's the case with Bill and Brady what would it be like with Mac there's just too many wires getting crossed well it's interesting because a part of the Brady Belichick discussion was who's going to turn you into something and that's where we pick up the Brady Bill discussion and with you next now, more Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. Every time, I don't know why, every time I hear this, I think of like Fourier at that Pan Mash challenge over the weekend. Oh, yeah, it was pedaling away. Yeah. Yeah, they they I, you know what I, I love it when they 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 run up right up to your your bike and they go and they start dancing. You got it. You got it. Let's go. Oh, and dig. And dig and like come on. I would just, come on. And they start touching the little wheel like the resistance wheel thing and they start like making it hard. I'm like, come "Really?" On. Oh yeah, yeah. So they touch very your little on. wheel and make they it hard. They do. Wow. That is yeah. some kind of bike ride. It's hey, listen, now that's, that's not, for, your, not yeah, for everybody. That sounds like the kind of bike ride that I'd like to have. <laughs> you know what? It'll probably, Where do I get that it, one lowest? It'll probably be packed next year because of that. I was just hey, what do they say, do? They touch your wheel and they make it hard on you. Yeah, they. Uh, <laughs> oh God, I love it when the wheel gets hard. <laughs> Come over here, again. tough to <laughs> tough to spin the wheel when you're on Wheel of Fortune, you know, <laughs> or the wheel with Bob Barker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for uh, walking into that one. That is much appreciated. My pleasure. Uh, so we do have a little more of Bill Belichick and uh, Tom Brady. And this one, it all does kind of tie together in a way. Well, we just heard from Chad Ochocinco with uh, Shannon Sharp. And then we got this one, which is... I never thought of it this way. Let's put it that way. Okay. When it comes to landing in a place or being drafted to a team that has the ability to make you better. So this is number two on the list there, Nick. Um, Tom Brady on the concept of who's going to turn you into something. Tom, what did Bill do to bring out the best in you? I think it's more what did he not do to bring out the best in me. He... uh you know, everyone always says I was just very lucky. I mean, I think part of it, you know, I came into my uh, career and got drafted by the Patriots. I always joke, you know, I had no idea where New England was when I got drafted. I mean, I flew into Providence, which really confuses you. 
<laughs> if you're coming from the West Coast, because I'm like Boston, oh Providence, and you know it was Coach Belichick's first year there. You know we came in together, and I always think for so many young players, you know who's going to be there? Anybody could get drafted to a place. Who's going to turn you into something? Who's going to develop you? Who's going to take you under their wing? And sometimes it's a player that does it. And I definitely had a lot of players do that. And obviously, I had someone that really saw something in me that you know not a lot of other people did. And you know, the, yeah, there were offensive coach and so forth, but I think Coach. Belichick and I developed an amazing relationship really from the moment I was drafted. But then really we got, we spent a lot of time together. You know, he started to begin to teach me really what football was all about, how to study defenses when I started to play, certainly. And uh, we'd have weekly meetings, sometimes once, sometimes twice. And I couldn't imagine a better teacher to to say, hey, this is how we're going to play quarterback in the NFL. And this is the nuances of the game. And not only that, but I just, from his leadership, which is really one of his great, great qualities, he showed up every day with a purpose. There was when he always joked, no days off. He meant it. You know, there was his ability to sustain even what he's still doing, you know, 23 years with the Patriots beyond that, you know, so many years in the NFL. But he's in there working in the office right now. You know, he's not out there golfing and I'm sure he has his moments for those things but they're a lot fewer than what you know he could be doing you know he's you know you look at his stature and who he is and what his level of performance has been over a long period of time he could be retired years ago and the reality is he loves the sport he loves teaching he loves coaching he loves competing and nobody's done it better than him and I think what a blessing for me to there's no way I have the success that I've had you know personally without him and I'm very grateful for that. What do you make of that? A lot of flowery stuff there, but overall as a concept, I never thought about the whole, well, even though you're a pro, a lot like in college, you go somewhere in college that you like, but you're also putting your faith in people that you think are going to get the most out of you. In the NFL, it's kind of you hope you're drafted by a team that can get the most out of you. Well, and I think that's what stood out to me. That just made me think of all the other young players really in any position that get drafted by an incompetent coaching staff, an incompetent coaching staff that just, they're just not good at what they do. See Trevor Lawrence year one in Jacksonville. Well, I could even say, even though I really love Dennis Erickson, he brought his entire staff from the university of Miami to Seattle. Mm -hmm. My first tight ends coach was a guy who I love great guy. He was a uh, lifelong offensive line coach in college. Uh. A line coach. Now, he knew nothing about running routes. He knew nothing. I mean, he really knew nothing about blocking at that position, which is totally different than a center guard and a tackle. So it took me until I got a tight end coach, like my fourth year, but I was like, ah, this this is the step foot, footwork I should be taking. Literally just going off what I learned in college into the pros, thrown down a lot missing blocks a lot and I was like man it, frustration like I until somebody jumps in and go this is how you should do it like aha uh-huh. was it a a coach or a veteran player it was a coach it was a, it was a flat out a coach cuz I was in there with a bunch of younger guys we were all young we were all impressionable and we all were just looking for this guy it's funny like you 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 leave college you go to the pros you think everything is like you know top notch and everybody knows what they're doing and there is no they have the answer to every question you have the reality I found out is like my first year is like they didn't. They didn't know. So this to me is so valuable because I think one of the questions I would ask you is if he went to a different – is Brady the type of talent that he would be successful no matter where he went? Maybe not as successful, but Bingo. would he be 
as uh, successful no matter where he went. Would he have been to a Super Bowl and won one? Yeah. 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 I th- you think I, so? I do because uh, he <laughs> – it's really funny. You know, you know, Billy and I are wrestling fans, yeah. right? And there's a, a guy right now, Cody Rhodes, where he's used the line – I think it's like from unwanted to undeniable. Tom Brady is undeniable when it comes to his work ethic, what he puts into the game. Now, would he have had enough around him to win at the level that he did? Probably not. But the guy would be successful. I still think at the end of the day, Tom Brady would have found his way into a Hall of Fame discussion because he has stuff you can't teach. Yeah, and I agree with you. I it's agree with you. The want and the brain. Yeah. The way he sees the game, that's elite level stuff. Like, even o- only guys at an elite level, I think, can really understand it. Like, and I don't want to sound like I'm denigrating Jalen Hurts, but if you put the virtual reality thing on Jalen Hurts, but Tom Brady was the one who's looking at everything. I think Jalen Hurts would be like, oh, my God. Oh, it yeah. would open up his world. Uh, that's good. Whereas with Pat Mahomes, he might be calling out. He would be amazed at what Brady sees, but it wouldn't hit him the way it does just kind of a median-level quarterback. See, to me, it is. I think Patrick Mahomes would have been special anywhere he went. Agreed. Brady, Manning. I think Brett Favre would have been a disaster without Holmgren. I think Holmgren, what Holmgren did was harness him, which, which, and I've seen that interaction before. Mm-hmm. I think Josh Allen, I don't think he's as successful without uh, Sean McDermott and more importantly, Brian Dable. His, I think his progression, his m- maturity was, had a direct relation, uh, correlation with his coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence, we talked about Urban Meyer. What a difference year one to year two. I mean, how about Daniel Jones? Right? No. Daniel, I, Daniel Jones is going to make $30 million. Yeah, no, but well, okay. I mean, well, I we'll reserve right we'll, now. Okay, we'll, we'll put He's, that discussion aside. No, my but, point is, but like, there's, but he was functional. And what do you think is going to happen with Russell Wilson? Uh, he'll probably be better with Sean. He'll Payton. Probably be better. He'll, he'll will probably he be, be better? Will, will he be great? We don't know, but he'll, he'll be, be better, better than what he was. The whole offense will yep. be better. Agreed. Um, and I can go. I mean, we can go around the league and look at guys that were were good and. Because there's guys that Matthew like, Stafford dealt with that in Detroit for a bunch of years too. I thought he was a part of the problem. Now again, he had one he had one year where they won a championship, and apparently that yeah. erases everything. But yeah. like that's another guy where people would always look at him and be like, "Oh, it's the coaching around him. It's not that guy." Yeah, that's why I think it's so. If that's why I think it was so interesting when he said that because it you know you don't get to choose. It's not college. You don't get to choose which staff you want to be a part of. Like you don't get to choose which staff coaches you. They randomly select you, and then they hope that you instantly integrate yourself into the system. Like, they handpicked you because they think you can help them win. Now, it doesn't necessarily – and I always thought that the, the, the position coaches, man, if you got like a Nick Sariani or if you got a Brian Dable or Josh McDaniels or if you got, you know, some of these young up-and-coming, you know, really ambitious coaches like that are now, you know, uh, McDaniel, like uh, Robert Sala, all these guys who really put the work in – so they could teach the position. You're lucky if you get those guys. So Brady being in this situation and how important the timing was, I just thought that was that stood out to me. It was like, yeah, you don't like. He's like, who's who's gonna? It was like we're paraphrasing. Here, who's gonna turn you into something? Like who is it? Bill was responsible for turning you into something. You already had the capability. You already had the work ethic, like you talked about. Right. It was obvious at Michigan. 
who I mean he had a I mean he had a good career at Michigan, but he was constantly fighting for his job, fighting for playing time because they thought the other guy was better. I that seems to be something that Bill Belichick really likes in quarterbacks. What the I'm fighting for something. Well, just think about it. With Brady, it was the oh he had to fight for playing time in college and he stuck with it, and that's attractive to me. Let's draft him here. Cam Newton even. You know, Cam Newton, it was, you know, I'm out to prove everybody wrong. I'm out to prove I'm still who I think I am, and they found out that he wasn't. Mac Jones, what's one of the things we heard they love about Mac Jones? He didn't run from the challenge of Alabama. He waited. He worked hard. He took advantage. He maximized his minutes, turned himself into a first-round pick. I think that's the kind of thing that Bill just, you know, bing, well, just yeah, no, I, and, I, I, and it's funny you mentioned that because I was just all the All Star games that were on the other the other weekend, like East West Shrine game, the Senior Bowl. It's so funny, like the things, like even if I believe this is my personal belief, my scouting belief, even if you have two guys, um, either they're equally talented or the other guy is a little bit more talented, mm-hmm. and maybe has a little bit more upside, they would take the less talented player, yes, they would, who has more of an edge. And has and has feels has this innate ability to prove people wrong than they would more of a sure thing, right? Because the guy that has the edge and and the chip on their shoulder usually ends up doing whatever it takes to be to be successful, and they actually end up keep catching up to that person who is born with greater skills, better DNA. Mm-hmm. They catch up to him and they last longer. That's the other thing. They last longer. They're a little bit more resilient. They have a little bit more grit. You know, Brady admitted that he liked it when people doubted him. Whoa, what a surprise. That entire team, all those teams loved it, even if it was manufactured. So I think that is, the whole thing to me is really interesting, just you know, how they're all wired, how Bill is wired, and just how they you know create their message. Uh, and uh, keep an eye on the Fresno State quarterback. That's going to be the guy du jour uh, of the. Oh, I forget his. I forget high the name. Hair, hair. Um, uh, uh, I know. Gosh. I'm I know you're it. talking about. I called he, one of his games. He won the. He was the Senior Bowl MVP, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he is. Uh, if you go, if you want to watch a, uh, this is so he played USC. Okay, a quick uh, college football minute. He played USC in the beginning of the season. He was like going up and down the field on them. Jake up and down Hayner. The Jake, Jake Hayner. Good job. Up and down, uh, up and down the field on them. Uh, then he got hurt. hurt his ankle. Yep. Um, and then um, he just he, he had to take like two or three weeks off. But, dude, this guy, he's accurate. You know, he's one of those guys that he's not very tall, but he's really bright. He understands concepts. He can, he can read the progressions, right? He's not just locked in on one. I was like... How did this? And he's a, I think he's a five year guy too, five or six year guy. And he's one of those dudes who yeah. grinds. He does. And they and love you know what else? that. Not, not for nothing. Think, do this what you want, but Fresno State is a big Bill Belichick school. It's a very hardcore agriculture school. Like the kids there are all tough. And it was also coached by the great Pat Hill, who was, on, who, was. who was on Cleveland staff, that was on Bill's staff. And Pat Hill still calls the game. Pat Hill is still kind of so to me. Maybe Greg will. Maybe Greg will have him on tomorrow. Oh yeah, you know what? <laughs> Nobody. Pat wants Hill to with Greg Hill. I know it's funny. Tomorrow no. morning, six a.m. here. On yeah. So those are the this. This is why I like this. This is where the scouting department cut is interesting to me. Like how much they delve into your past. Like they delve into your past. Like Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts right now. When you talk about media day, he's he's admitting how tough that year at Alabama was. They mm-hmm. took his job away from him and said, "This guy who's a rookie, who's a freshman, is better than you." 
And then, okay, he's like, screw it. He stays another year watching this guy drive his own car, right? And then he says, screw it, I'm going to go to Oklahoma. And then he gets drafted later, and then in the second, later rounds, and then uh, Tua, after an injury, gets drafted in the first round. And to make it worse in terms of Jalen Hurts, he wanted to go to Miami and Maryland, and Alabama stopped him, forcing him to go to Oklahoma, and the guy went and played great. It, it, this, it is a, it, that's, he's, he's got a great story. So it, to me, all that stuff, they're like, wow, this guy's not going to give up? Well, how do you know that? Well, there's proof. Right. Look at him. And they love that history. stuff. Uh, quickly from Emily Kaplan of ESPN, uh, she writes that in terms of David uh, Pasternak, quickly we'll just slide this in. Uh, Emily Kaplan writes, I've been told the Bruins and their star winger are financially very close, though Pasta admitted during the All-Star weekend there's no rush and he's <laughs> focusing on hockey. This is tracking to get done this season after some progress the past few weeks. Sounds like Pasternak will get paid on level with the top stars in the league and for more money than Boston's front office was originally budgeting. Very mm. interesting. Uh, also, the Bruins are hesitant to give up a first-round pick or too many assets for rental players this year at the deadline. Again, this is all according to uh, Emily Kaplan, and uh, we'll see how the pasta, pasta thing uh, percolates. It's been said here on this station that it's been done, so we'll we'll see where it all goes. But there's the latest from ESPN's Emily Kaplan and you. <laughs> Dad Gummit almost did it again. <laughs> Are you done? Brings it home next. WEI, WEI, New England Sports Original. Gresh and Fourier on WEI. Now it's time for. Are you done? Are- are you done? Are you done? Are you done? You done, right? You done, right? Are you done? Are you done? On Crash and Fourier. Time for Are You Done? It is. <laughs> you can use it. Fourier got me for the first time in the uh, the off-air show. Uh, it is time for Are You Done? Sponsored by Unified Office. If you run a business, you know the rough impact the labor shortage can have on your customer's phone experience. Unified Office specializes in keeping businesses from losing income and customer calls and revenue. Learn more at unifiedoffice.com. Billy Lanny, are you done? Yeah, I'm kind of done. Just a quick uh, birthday shout-out. Chris Rock, 57 today. Ooh, really? Yeah, seems a lot younger than I thought he would be. Me too. Yeah, I kind of thought he might have been at 60 by now. Yeah, I thought he would have been there, but no, a big 5'7 for uh, one of the greatest to do it. I mean, that guy is, you know, uh, you name it, Chris Rock in comedy. I mean, it's not even, I forget he getting slapped by Will Smith. That was almost <laughs> like, that was almost like a third act for him now. What I mean by that, like, there was early Chris Rock, and then there was, let me do the HBO slash Comedy Central specials of Chris Rock, and he's out on tour. And then he gets cracked in the pie hole on national television again, and it's like, well, hot damn, let me go touring again. Like, Billy, you went and saw him right after he got slapped, right? I did, yeah. He was slapped on uh, Sunday. I had tickets for Friday night. Unbelievable. And and it and he, not that really? he wasn't selling out, but yeah. he ended up going on tour yeah, and so now yeah, so turned for, into a big thing. So for those next few days, I was literally debating... Should I sell them? I had gotten the tickets. I had bought the tickets in February, I believe, because you know I always wanted to see him. He was in town. Mm-hmm. I took advantage of it. He got slapped at the Oscars, and then the next day, like StubHub and all those uh, 
the other market radio uh, oh. ticket places, the tickets were like through the roof. But then, like the first night of the tour, uh, the Wilbur showed up, and you know, don't have your videos. Yeah, obviously, somebody took a video. Of and course, he, he just made a quick little comment about it, and then went on with his routine. So for me, when I went to see him that night, the sh- he had already done three or four shows at the Wilbur. And then he did the same kind of thing, came out, made a couple comments, and then five minutes later, you didn't even, you completely forgot about this was the guy that was just slapped by Will Smith because he's so he's just so good at what he does that he was able to take you out of that and just like, here's my routine and killed it. Good stuff. Very good done? stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. Are you done? I'm done. Are you done? Billy is done. Chicken Nick, are you done? I am not. Just a quick thing. Gresh, I know this isn't going to affect you at all because you don't Uh-oh. frequent the movies. But AMC is changing ticket prices based on seat location. Now they're going to have preferred seats, which is in like the middle. So you're looking right at the screen. And then they have Stop standard, it. which is every other seat outside of their value seats, which is the mid, which the front where your like, neck is straight up looking at the screen. You are kidding me right now. Nope, they're rolling this out by the end of the year. I, oh I, have my a, God. I, I will never go to the movies because of this. You know what this reminds me of? This I hate it when they change this rule. It used to be when you flew, okay, you just the exit row was a normal seat. But you could get the exit row by showing up to the airport early and you say, Hey, listen, I wanted the exit row. You didn't give extra you didn't have to pay any extra money. Now they charge you money for the exit row. So they're basically the movie theater's doing the same freaking thing. Hey, you want the middle seat? Well, yeah, but I'm just going to get there early and pay a normal price. But you want to charge me assigned seatings at movie theaters? Very upset about this, as you can tell. I know you don't give a crap because you don't ever go to the movie theaters, but this is like how this often? Is such, when's this the is last movie advantage. you've been to? I'm on my way back soon. Uh, no, I'm going tomorrow. Been since <laughs> going tomorrow. Pandemic. <laughs> Are you really? Yeah, no, no, I'm going tomorrow. I'm going to see 80 for Brady. How many of your? Oh, you really yeah, are yeah, going yeah. to see 80 for yeah, Brady? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't want my little login things? You can watch it at home. Oh, you have like a little. Remember, like, I told thing? you I had no, but I, I got the, the screener, oh, remember? Oh, how? Wait, yes, can I, I actually do. You, you want me to no, save you a going. couple of bucks? You know what? I'm totally fine with it. They can go ahead and take <laughs> But it is kind of messed up, right? No, it, it is. Right, right Nick? It uh, is. It's extremely messed up because you, what? I get there early that I have to pay more for a different seat. Now I have to have assigned seating at the movies. Uh, this is the, the last they, time I've set foot in a movie theater was like four and a half or five years ago because we have one that's right around the corner from our house. And it was, boy, it'd be great if we were watching a game or something. And then it turned into, boy, it'd be great if we had some movie theater popcorn. So at halftime, I ran around the corner, walked in, got popcorn, turned around, walked out, brought it home. 18 bucks for popcorn later. Uh, it's something uh, it's like you, that. So yeah. you bring your own popcorn. Your house doesn't have, you don't have a bring popcorn machine in your house? No, like no. Oh, no, thing. we do, but it's a long story. Uh, someday, all right, no, I someday, someday, Dad Billy Lanny will have a better perspective on why you do those things. All right. Yeah. I don't doubt I mean, that. No. Are you done? Are, are you done? Are you done? I'm kind done. Of, kind of a shame to say that, I guess. Foyer, are you I'm done? I'm going to squeeze this in real quick. All right. This is from uh, Peyton. Uh, Sean Payton was actually announced as the Denver Broncos head coach. And then after his old little press conference, somebody grabbed him and asked him this. Coach, uh, Russell Wilson had a, a personal coach, Jake Hughes, in the building with access who wasn't on the staff. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with that. Are, how do you feel about um, players having their own people off the staff in the building access to players? Yeah, that's foreign to me. That That's not going to take place here. I mean, I, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with it, but our staff will be here, our players will be here, and that'll be it. Mm. Wow. All right, I'll ask you. I feel like this is a, a big deal, no big deal. What do you think there, Gresh? 
Sean Payne saying, uh-uh, you're not going to have your personal trainer, your dietitian, your massage therapist, your, 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 I don't know. You can't have any of those guys anymore. The only guys that you can bring into the building are the people that we hire. Sean Payton will hire the guy to make Russell Wilson happy. That's how he'll get around it. Total fraud. Fraud move! I don't know. I think the first person uh, Sean Payton probably called was Bill. Hey, how did you handle this with your guy? When your guy was bringing all his guys in and there was all these, I remember we were talking about it and all that stuff. Uh, Remind me how you handled it. Right? Okay, so you kept him. No, his guys will be in the building. He's not going to hire them. They're just going to put them in. It's not gonna, they're not going to be in plain sight. They're going to be there, but you know, seen, but not heard. Or heard, but not seen. Or neither. Neither of those. There you go. You got there. <laughs> you landed it. Uh, and uh, we are done. By the way, mine would have been uh, thoughts to Jerry Lawler, 73-year-old WWE legend. Apparently had a stroke at his condo in Fort Myers last night. According to uh, WMC-TV in Memphis, he has uh, already undergone surgery, is uh, expected to be okay, but it's always dicey when it comes to the king. And that is it for us. Chicken Nick and Billy produced it. If something went wrong, blame them. Andy Hart will join us tomorrow. Gresham Foyer back at 10 a.m. Jones and Mego with Arcand is next. Are you done? Uh- are you done? Are you done? Okay, okay. Are you done? You done, right? You done, right? Are you done? Are you done? Okay, okay.